Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to church. For those of you who've been before, welcome to the first-timers as well. My name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here, in case you didn't know. And I'm just glad to be here. We had a huge Sunday last week. Three services. I've been just so grateful for our team Everyone from the staff to those who serve on team, people just kicked it to another level on last Sunday. And to see the unity and the morale and the positive attitude and the excitement uh, is just a blessing to see. And I, I just don't take it lightly. I know that you do that by choice. Um, we choose joy at Nashville Live. So whenever people are joyful, I know it. I knew it was intentional. So when I see you do that, I, 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 I don't take it lightly. I'm grateful. Um, and then, yeah, we had, yeah, that was all of our 10 years. Last Sunday was the, the largest Sunday we've ever had in 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, yeah. So we're growing. And that's even just down the basement, let alone when we get upstairs. By the way, this is our soft opening for those of you who don't know. We are um, soon going upstairs. Pretty much everything's up, so now it's just a matter of training everybody and getting everybody situated so that we know what we're doing up there. Uh, it's a lot more gear, a lot more things, uh, different traffic and everything, so it takes some planning, but uh, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, let's see. I went to Michigan. My uncle, uh, uh, one of our overseers, actually, Pastor Marvin Winans, was, uh, got married. Had an amazing, amazing wedding. So we flew up there, and on yesterday, as you know, my dad had a birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Love, Dad. Happy birthday to you. If you have any gifts or cards for him, he will be happy to accept them. So between now and the end of the day, or yes, bless, gotta bless the bishop is what Byron said. So yeah, if you, if you have a card or anything, just to show appreciation, I know some of you guys have it. So at the end of, uh, the end of service, feel free to give it to him. But yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Uh, do you mind if I say? Dad is 74, y'all. Pretty, pretty great. I have that to look forward to. And you don't. I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm super, super grateful for my dad, who he is in character who he is in the spirit, who he is genetically. I'm grateful for I'm grateful for it all. Hallelujah. Um, okay, guys, we're going to get into the word. Uh, I am closing out our series uh, for this particular month, but the whole general series, in case you don't know, I want to make sure everybody's caught up. Um, before we get into the word, let's, let's do our declaration together. Repeat these words after me. Let's get our hearts prepared. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. The reason why we do that is the Bible makes it very clear that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. And in order for that to happen, it's got to get past our ears and into our hearts so something can produce and it can actually affect our decision-making and our judgment and our choices. So we don't want to just be a church that hears the message. We want to actually do the message. And in order for to do that, we have to be very intentional. So that's why I was like, we're going to say this every time we get into Scripture. Uh, so the theme for the year uh, is Withstanding the Wind. 2022, all year long, we're talking about withstanding the wind, and it's inspired by a passage in Matthew 3.12. If you've been coming, you know this by now, but if not, here we go. It says, his winnowing fan 
This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus, the coming Messiah. He was just about to start his ministry. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Uh, the context for this passage um, there was a very, it was a very interesting time with God's people. There were a lot of people during the time of this passage that were godly only by culture, um, only by race, only by association and tradition. And, there, and then there were people who were actually connected to God in spirit. And Jesus made it very clear that he was changing the game, and there was no longer going to be an honoring of people who were only culturally connected to God or traditionally connected to God or even morally connected, but it has to be by spirit. So what he does is, like a harvester, when he's harvesting wheat, he allows a winnowing process. And a winnowing process, when you're harvesting wheat, is when you allow the natural winds or you can generate winds with a fan and allow winds to separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat is the part of the harvest that we eat. That's the part of the harvest that Jesus is gathering or that we gather even when we're going to make bread or things with it. That's the part of use. And then the chaff is the, the extra stuff that we don't eat. And chaff is very light, so winds can easily blow chaff away. But wheat has an ability to withstand the wind of the winnowing process. So John the Baptist is saying, just like a winnower does that when he's harvesting wheat, Jesus is doing that with people. He's gathering people, but he allows winds to hit our lives and to blow through our lives, not because he's mean, not because he's uh, malicious, but he's wise and he knows that those who are in the spirit with me, those who are actually with me in spirit and in truth, wind, will it annoy them? Yes. Will it challenge them? Yes. Will it make them cry sometimes? Yes. But it will not blow them away. On the other hand, chaff, people who don't have a secure lock in their faith with Jesus, wind will actually blow them away from their faith. And we see this confirmed in scripture where it says in the last days, there's going to be not just a falling, falling away, but the Bible says there's going to be a great falling away. And I don't want to say that to depress us or to scare us, but it's a reality that needs to sober us, if nothing else, to understand that we are in a time where if we aren't securely locked in our faith, in the spirit and in truth with Jesus Christ, the winds of our time will 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 cause many people to to leave the faith and say, you know what, I'm not for this anymore. You know what, I don't think I believe in this anymore. And it's happening. So I, I believe as Nashville Life, I felt very strongly that this year was all about preparing ourselves for the times that we're in so that Yes, we'll be challenged by it, we'll be opposed by it, we'll feel it, but we will not be blown away. We will stand firm in the midst of all this chaos and find ourselves still locked and secure in the one who saved us, Jesus Christ. So I'm covering different winds every month, and this is our last month, last week, I should say, on covering the winds of fear. We're talking about fear. Fear is a very strong wind that has deceived so many people, including believers, unfortunately. And what fear does is it robs you of the beauty of faith. It really robs you of walking by faith, which is a huge problem because the Bible says the only way you can please God is through faith. You can't do anything that makes God please outside of the realm of faith. So fear is a huge, huge problem. And if we allow it to have space in our lives and our decisions, we'll find ourselves making decisions out of the spirit of fear, which can't please God, versus the spirit of faith, which makes God so pleased. And as Christians, I'm assuming our objective is to please him, right? Awesome. I pray that's a safe assumption to make, that we want to please God with our lives, right? 
So, I am going to talk about a passage um, found in the book of Psalm. Many of you all are familiar with it. Um, some of you all aren't. I never want to assume that anybody here knows the Bible, but it's Psalm 27. And I'm just going to talk about it because it really ministered to me. And every time I read it, it just always impresses me and inspires me, uh, particularly the man that wrote it, David. Scripture says, follow those who by faith have obtained the promise. Basically, in other words, if you find people who are walking in the promises of God, the Bible says to follow them and say, basically, show me what you did so I can, so I can have this sort of promises, so that can have these promises manifest in my life, in my family. So remember that, guys. It is scriptural to find people who have obtained the promises of God that you would like for your life. It's in the word. David is a man that obtained some great promises. And when I see, especially in the area of fear, when I see how much he went through and how much spiritual and natural opposition was against him, and to see the courage that he carried while walking through things that I can't even imagine going through, um, it makes me want to learn more about him. So Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, there's different scholars that say different things about when this passage was written by David. The majority say it was written during his time of exile when the king, uh, King Saul, was, was uh, trying to find him, to kill him. So imagine having the king and all of his men after you, trying to kill you. He was basically hiding and running away from the king who wants him dead. Um, some others, less people, but some others argue that it was while he was on the run from his son, Absalom. Um, both are bad situations. He's been, he, he had one point in time where a father figure, his, his king, Saul, was jealous of David because David had a great anointing on his life, and it drove Saul crazy. He was so jealous of it, and it ate him up to where he thought he had to kill David. He tried to kill David, like, sincerely. And David had to run because of the anointing on his life. He, he, he didn't do anything to him, but simply because God's hands on your life. Turns out it makes people upset. You wouldn't think. you think everybody would be happy. But when God's hand is on your life, not everybody's thrilled about it. Saul wasn't thrilled about it. Um, so he was running for his life. And then on top of that, his own son got jealous of him and wanted to wanted to take the throne away from him and was out to get him and plotted and gathered these men to be against David. So David went through a lot of drama through, and he, it experienced, he experienced it through people who he loved great, like very dearly. I mean, obviously he loved his son. I mean, he loved his king as well. So you can't imagine the emotional uh, darkness and weight that was, that was in his life during this time, not, 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 let, let alone the fear of knowing that people are out to try to kill you. So either way, whether it was written during one time or the other, it was, it was a rough time. I would say it was a pretty stressful time for David. Um, but yet, in the midst of all this darkness, in the midst of all this opposition, he goes, in the midst of all this darkness, I'm okay because the Lord is my light. That's pretty cool to, to really treat God as the light for your life. And the cool thing about it is when God is your light, even when you are in the dark physically, you feel like you're okay because my light is God. My light aren't these lights that are up here right now. Like if these lights were off, I would still have light in my life because God is my light. And it says the Lord is the strength of my life. David considered God his strength. His muscle. Uh, another translation says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, which means he's, he's my protection. He's my security system. So even though I've got people coming against me, 
The Lord is my strength. I don't, I don't have to depend on my own muscle, my own physical muscle. God is my muscle. When you make God the strength of your life, you have no reason to fear. On the contrary, Scripture also says in Jeremiah, when you make your flesh your strength, you're cursed. So the Bible says those who make the flesh, if you depend on your own physical power and strength to be the strength of your life, Jeremiah said that you are, you are leading a cursed life. Meanwhile, David says, God is the strength of my life, and he has no reason to fear. So which life do you want? You know what I'm saying? Like, Do you want a life of confidence in the midst of horrible situations? Or do you want a life where you're depending on your own abilities and live the life that Jeremiah describes? That's Jeremiah 17, by the way, if you guys want to look that up. It talks about the danger of depending on your own physical flesh as the strength of your life, opposed to making the Lord your strength. And also, that's a rhetorical question. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? That's like, if God's my strength, who can hurt me? Who, who can overtake God? If God is my bodyguard, who in the world has a chance to tear me down? And it's implied that you would say, nobody. Right? Verse 2. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. So when the wicked came, so we're not talking about a man with no enemies. A lot of times we believe that once my enemies are wiped out, then I won't have to fear anymore. Once that opposition, once that person stops being against me, then finally I can breathe and I don't have to fear, but, the, but David is describing a confidence and a fearlessness even when wicked people are actively against him. And I think that's something really important for believers to know. You don't have to wait until the opposition is out of the way before you can actually sleep at night. You don't have to wait till God wipes out all of your enemies for you to enjoy your life. Even in the midst of the enemies coming after you, the Lord says that you have no reason to fear. In fact, he prepares a table for you in the presence of all the people who want you dead, including the devil. So David had the enemy against him and the physical. He had the spirit of the devil against him that was working through the jealousy of of, of Saul and, and the division and the dis, dissension of, of Absalom and, and all these things coming against his life, yet he goes, not only will they not get me, but my enemies will stumble and fall. This is something that's a very great promise and a benefit for those who trust in the Lord. The Lord won't only, this is, this is just, you know how the Bible says the Lord does exceedingly and abundantly above? All right, so we would be happy and this is just our God, I'm telling you. You can read it in the Word. This is his character. This is who he is. This is just the way he rolls. He goes, y'all would probably be happy if I just protected you from your enemies. But the, God is just the type that he, he'll, he'll actually allow the enemy to fall in the exact same trap that he set for you. Like, it's one thing, let me think about it. It's one thing if you shoot an arrow and someone tries to get you, and there is a wall where you don't, you don't get hit. And that's great in itself. That's enough for us to be like, hallelujah, like the, the arrows aren't getting us. But the, in, but the Lord is a type to where he'll actually cause the arrow not just to not hit you, but it'll actually boomerang, and that same arrow that Satan threw at you will come at him. It will, it will boomerang and get back at him. So that's what's so amazing about the enemy. The very traps that he sets for the righteous, he ends up being a victim to. So the enemy is, is toast when it comes to the devil. He doesn't only, uh, say, uh, the, God doesn't only protect you from the enemy, but he, uh, he actually retaliates and allows the enemy to suffer for trying to get you. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. I just think that's an extra little layer that sometimes we don't even realize. We're so happy that we're not being overtaken. But the Lord goes, I'll actually retaliate, and I'll let the enemy suffer for even thinking about hurting you. 
One time, guys, I had a guy in my life group, and I'll have to say this. This is just, this is, this is really, it convicted me. I actually saw him. He moved away. He, moved, he lives in Atlanta. But he was in my life group, and he got in a horrible car accident. Um, somebody intentionally rolled down their window and, like, flipped him off and tried to run him off the road, and it caused his car to go upside down. And that car, once it did it, like, it, like he yelled out some obscenity and kept on driving. It was basically like a hate crime. It was, it was evil. And he was in the hospital, and I was calling him, talk, seeing how he was doing, and he was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then he started crying. So I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, he's gone through a terrible uh, fence, and some people tried to kill him. This is crazy. I know, he didn't even know who these people were. And I was thinking that he was crying because he was upset about what happened to him. And I was like, you all right, man? He goes, <laughs> I'm just praying for me. Mercy for mercy, mercy for for the guys. And I went, okay, yeah, like let's. He goes, no, man. He said, he said, no. He said, the Bible says, if you put your hand on God's anointed, the things that will happen to you when you put your guys. I was so blown away that a he knew who he was in Christ. So much to where he actually feared for the lives of the people who tried to kill him because the Bible is very clear that any person who antagonizes or tries to attack God's person ends up suffering horribly. And the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about the retaliation of God against those who, who try to, who, to end the lives of those who God has chosen. And I remember being like, it was just the perfect mix of, like, of confidence, but humility and faith. He had so much faith in the scripture where he cried thinking about what might happen to these men. Because he knew that he was God's anointed. And I was like, I am officially convicted and inspired because I don't always think of myself as God's chosen, as God's man, as God's anointed. So much to where when someone's antagonizing me, I actually pray for mercy for them. Some of us are going, God, get them back. Get them back. Get them back for what they did to me. And he's going, please, please, please. And that, I've never heard anybody respond to that kind of uh, behavior or treatment. But this is a scripture. Everything he was crying about is in scripture. So they stumble and fell. You're wicked. When you trust in the Lord, the wicked who are against you will stumble and fall. And it will be so bad to where you'll be like my friend crying, praying that God goes easy on them. Go easy on them, God, please. Because the Lord doesn't mess around. Guys, the Bible says it's important for us to consider both the kindness and the severity of God. We have to remember that he's both. We have to remember it's in the New Testament, he goes, guys, yes, he's kind, but he's also very severe in his works. He's both, which is why, you know, we always need to stay on his good side. <laughs> stay in the will of Jesus, because the same, no matter what you've done, for those who are in Christ, the same kindness and love that he has towards Jesus, he has towards you. That's why just keep following Jesus. Stay in him because all the positive emotions that the Father has towards Jesus, he will have towards you if you remain in Christ. Remain in him. All right. I don't mean to stay that long on that one. All right. Let's keep going. Awesome. Thanks, Erica. All right. Let's do this. Verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Guys, an army is a collective. It's more than one enemy. It's a group of them. So David goes, even though an army may come against me, may encamp. Actually, that means they, that means they set up camp around you. Like, you're surrounded. My heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, David says, in this I will be confident. 
what is this man talking about? Like, it makes you wonder, was he human? He was flesh and blood like us. What kind of audacity can a man have talking like this? I mean, if you talk to the wrong, this could actually make, it can actually be off-putting to some Christians. When you start talking faith like this, you'll make some people mad who are believers. Fear has been made so righteous within the church to where it's actually considered noble. And then you read this standard, and you're like, wait, this screws up everything. This messes up the whole thing that we've got going on. We've made it such a normalcy. And we've, we've put so much intention on relating to the fallenness of man that we're not relating enough to the glory of God. And I think it's so important because David, I promise you all, he is a great example of the balance. David did I've heard people say, you know, you shouldn't ignore your emotions. Absolutely. David didn't ignore them, but he always, he always ended up with, but I know this. Yes. yes, I feel this, but I know this. And that's the balance that the church has to have, guys. We can't just stop at I feel this, period. David never said I feel this, period. It was I feel this, but I know this. And it's, it's the I know this that will keep you into falling by the winds of fear and being blown away from what you know. Guys, some of us still think we don't, we don't understand how deception works. Some of us are getting too comfortable. I'll never walk away from the faith. We think that people who are walking away from the faith are going, I'm going to walk from the faith today. Like, and, and we still, uh, most of us still think that's how it works. So we, we, don't, we don't, our guards get down because we're like, that'll never happen to me. I've been a Christian all my life. But what he'll do is he'll allow you to stay so full of, of the emotion of fear that you're feeling. And when he'll tell you that it's not necessary and that it's even wrong and you're betraying your soul by, by going back to what you know the word says. And next you know, after weeks of weeks of not going back to this side of, but I know what the word says, instead of going, what I, this is what we do. Instead of coming and going, but I know what the word says, and I'm using this movement as like, this represents something. I feel this. This is what happens, I promise you. I feel this, but I know this. What happens instead, what the church does is, I feel this. Yeah, I know that, but I feel this. And we don't jump ship. We go, I know what the Bible says, but I'm tired of hearing. Stop giving me scripture. This is how I feel. Stop telling me Bible stuff. This is how I feel. And we never jump ship back over to what we know. Instead of, instead we go, I know, I know, I know. Instead of, I know, I know, I know. We go, I know, I know, I know. 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 Boo! Off the cliff. That's how people fall away. If I bet you there isn't a single person who goes, I'm going to fall away today. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. And as long as we still think it does, we will be in the same track of all those who are just deceived off the cliff. Because as long as the Bible is, yeah, 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 you're in trouble. The minute the Bible becomes, yeah, 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 but beware. You might be further off than you thought. You must go, I know, I know. Get under here. Get under here. So David had a lot going against him. Bad stuff. But he would go, but I know this. And he would get back in center and get back in line. Whew, that was close. Oh, okay. This wasn't a man that was just invincible. This was a man that intentionally told himself and reminded himself the truth so that the fear and the chaos around him wouldn't take him overboard. He says, I will be confident. Confident is to be sure. That's what confidence means. It's certainty. I'm sure. So all the, even the war rises against me, I am confident. So we can admire him, but I'm a really big, like, practical person. Like, cool, like, 
you want us to just be fans of David by the end of this message? No. Like, if the, the goal is not for you just to be a fan of David and admire, man, that guy was great. If you don't know how to, if you don't learn the tools of how to, like, incorporate it into your life, then we've wasted our time. Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for followers. If David found out, if David found out that the only fruit from his life were people who admired him and said, man, he was awesome, he would be like, what a waste of my suffering. He went through this so that we can go, how do I do that? He's going to show you how, and it's very simple, and it's probably not what you think. And I don't know, it might be what you want to hear, but regardless, this is what, this is how he did it, guys. This is wild, because I got this revelation. I was like, man, because I used to know the scripture. I was part of this drill team at Chandra's church. This, I was, we weren't members there, but we were part of this drill team. We used to do, like, steps and stuff, and we had to memorize. One of our steps was Psalm 27, and we had to say this next part really fast, and I didn't give it any thought of what it meant. But now I know what it means. It's amazing. Verse 4, I believe this is how David was able to live in the midst of chaos and have zero fear. Verse 4, I believe this is the answer. One thing I have desired of the Lord. The key word is one thing. He had limited his desires to one thing. That I will seek, sorry, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I truly have a thought here. What if, lost my notes. One second. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Cool. I had my pages swapped. Um, I believe that you will find whatever you're looking for. Very simple statement, but I'll stand by it. If you're looking for disappointments, you'll find it. If you're looking for flaws, you'll find it. If you're looking for praiseworthy things, you'll find it. If you're looking for humor, you'll find it. Me and my sister, we look for funny things in everything, which is why we have a good time. Because we're always trying to find the funny Sometimes it's not appropriate. <laughs> but since we're looking for it, we find it. There's a lot of funny stuff out here, including in this room. If you're looking for inspiration, you will find it. If you're looking for a reason to quit, you will find it. If you look for a reason to keep going, you'll find it. David was looking for something. And because he was looking for it, I think he found it. He was looking for a life that was in the house of God and a life that saw the beauty of God. What if, while all of the enemies were against him, coming after him, encamping around him, what if while war was rising against him, what if during all of this evil stuff coming against him, he was busy seeking live a life that was in the house of God and seeking a life that saw God's beauty. If you've ever been a, in a group and everyone, have you ever been in a group somewhere, maybe at a restaurant, and everybody saw something and you missed it because you were looking at your phone? And everyone was laughing and you didn't laugh. You're like, oh, I missed it, I missed it, I was looking at my phone. Or, it happened, but because you weren't looking at it, you didn't react the same way everybody else I believe that if David wasn't seeking the house of God, if he wasn't busy looking for a life in the house of the Lord and dwelling in his house, if he wasn't preoccupied with gazing on the beauty of God, like the song that we had, Beautiful Jesus, 
If he wasn't doing that, I have a feeling he would have been in, in fear. Because you react to what you're looking at. If you're not even looking at it, you can't react the same as people who are looking at it. I believe the picture that I have is while all of these evil things are happening around David, his eyes are on the Lord. His eyes are on how can I dwell in his house? How can I gaze on his beauty? And because his eyes were dwelling in the house of God and on the beauty of God, all of these spooky, crazy things that were happening about him were not affecting him because, not because they weren't happening, but because I don't think he was looking at it. I don't think that's what he was seeking for. He says, I have one desire in my life and one thing that I seek. And what you, you look for what you're seeking. Matthew 6, 22, I'm going to borrow from Jesus' words. Matthew 6, 22, he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. It, pay, it matters what you look at. It matters what you seek. If you have evil things in front of your face, the Bible says that your body will react to what you're looking at. If you're looking at the beauty of the Lord, if your eyes are gazing on positive and beautiful and holy things, the Bible says your whole body will be full of light. So the, today's message is what are you looking at? What are you seeking? It matters what you seek. It matters what has your attention. I truly believe that the person who's seeking God, who's seeking his beauty, you will find yourself missing out on so many of the distractions that the enemy is using to trip you into fear. There's a scripture where he's leading the man of God. He goes, don't look to the right or to the left. If you keep your eyes forward, when the enemy goes, hey, over here, look, I got a knife. I got a knife. I'm going to come and get you. You don't, you're, you don't look. Stay looking on God because when you look at it, you go, oh, my God, a knife is out. Oh, my God, he's going to kill me. And, like, we think, oh, I got to look at him because if I'm not looking at him, he won't. God says, if you look at me, I will be your protector. If you look at me, you won't have to protect yourself. I'll protect you. If you gaze on me, I will be a hedge of protection around you. And not only will the enemy not get you, but he'll actually stumble and fall while he's trying to get you. This, is, this was David's reality, and this can be our reality. If we understand what it took to, to live this life, he limited his desire to one thing. To dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze on his beauty. I'm going to keep going. Psalm 27, 5 through 6. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. This is what happens when you're seeking the Lord. In the time of trouble, which we all have. Some of us are in it right now. In the time of trouble, he, talking about the Lord, shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me from all of the evil stuff that's trying to come at me, all these enemies that are trying to attack me every day, tempt me every day, trip me up every day, discourage me every day, condemn me every day. All of these things that are coming after me and you, the Lord says, David says that the Lord will hide us. And then he shall set me high upon a rock. So he'll actually allow you to live above the enemy's plans. Like he'll actually lift you up on a plane that's higher than what the enemy can do for you. So the enemy's shooting bullets, and he'll rise you up to where the bullets are under your feet. And you'll actually be lifted in heavenly places, seated with the Father. We know in Scripture that's where we sit when we're with Jesus. He lifts us up to sit next to the God the Father where all the enemy's works are underneath our feet. I mean, this is a reality. The Lord is trying to connect the dots for all of us. A lot of us know these fragments of Scripture, but the Lord is trying to show it all works together. If we simply just fix our eyes on the Lord and make this our one desire. Uh, verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. There you go. Sometimes I don't feel like I, need, I don't even need to preach sometimes. I should just read the scriptures. I was so long-winded, and I literally just said that. 
lifted up above my enemies around me. So all that stuff I said, he'll lift you up, I didn't make that up. This is not a Nashville life thing. This is the Bible. The Bible. It's the Bible. He'll lift you up. You'll be above it all. All the crap, all the stuff that you're going through right now. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, he will lift you up above it all. And he'll give you the tools to teach others how to be lifted up as well. Because this is not a selfish thing. The Lord is not for, you know, me and my four and no more. Like, he wants you to get what you have so the next guy can learn how to rise above all this junk that's happening. Since his eyes, since David's eyes were focused on God, all the stuff the enemy was doing were kind of below him and away from him. The best way I can think of it, because I try to think of analogies sometimes. Some, some people are photographers in here, and I'm not, so just I apologize in advance. But when you are focusing a photo it makes a particular thing that you're focusing on clear, oftentimes at the expense of the other things that are in the frame. So when you're focusing on this, there's a, fo a photo right now. Like I took a photo right here and I decided to focus on Jessica. And I did that, you know, I made the focus. So even though, even though LA and Brandon and Brady are in the frame, if Jessica is my focus, they'll probably get a little bit blurry because that's what happens. Like you focus one thing, the thing that's everything that's not fo in focus is a little bit blurry. It's not as clear. To me, this helps me because the, notice none of these scriptures says he makes the enemies go away. What if the Lord is not saying that I'll, all the enemies will disappear? But what, I think what he's saying is, if you focus on me, I'll be the clear thing in the photo, and all the crap the enemy's doing will just be a blur. I think there's too many Christians who have the opposite. The enemy is so clear and God is the blur. We see the enemy. We know everything he's saying. We have the gift of hearing from him. Like, all of a sudden when he hears hear from God, I can't hear God's voice. But we can hear the devil's voice so easily. Perhaps we need to shift the focus. Instead of God being blurry and the devil being so clear, let's make him blurry and God clear. And the way we do that, we have to narrow our focus. David said one thing. He didn't say one of several things. He didn't say top five things. He said one thing I desire. I've limited my desire to one thing. I am focusing on one thing, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze on his beauty. And because that was his one thing, even thousands of armies and soldiers were just a blur. They had no factor into his life. They had no success in his journey. There wasn't a single plan that God had for David that the enemy was able to stop because it was his, he was focused on God. And yes, we know he messed up, but when he messed up, he learned how to get right back in focus. Again, guys, we, got to, we have to be better at jumping back. Quick, quick repentance, quick turning right back. You can't afford those few days like the enemy is telling you that you can. Because those few days, we all know how it works. Those few days turn to a few weeks. And then it's five years. We're going, what happened? We got to be quick at getting right back in the Lord's, the Lord's focus. So he goes, verse 6, therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. He goes, I will sing, yes. I will sing. And I feel like that yes is like, yes, you heard me correctly. I, I know the same guy that told you that all these enemies are against him and all this wickedness is coming after him. 
I didn't stutter. I will sing even in the midst of it. Yes, you didn't, you heard correctly. I will sing praises to the Lord. It's biblical to praise God even when a whole lot of bad stuff is happening. And I know there's so much opposition against that truth, including in this room. I've had conversations. People get upset at the idea of praising God and singing songs of joy when bad things are happening in your life. This is not negating emotions. It's elevating God's word over them. It's one thing, we were talking about this in the creative team meeting Tuesday. It's one thing to acknowledge emotions. It's another thing to be led by them. It's one thing to say, yes, this is how I feel. This is what's happening in my life. David did that all the time. But he, all, he didn't end the statement without saying, but I know this about God. And because he did that, he was able to offer sacrifices of joy. How about that? Sacrifices of joy. Perhaps he didn't feel joy. Perhaps he chose joy and it was a sacrificial act. I want, yeah, we gotta, we gotta realize, we gotta, we gotta normalize this, we gotta humanize this a bit. We can't, we gotta stop getting these Bible characters, we gotta take them off of these cherubim pedestals. These were human beings. We have no excuse. These are human beings without even the Holy Spirit. They didn't even have the cross. We have more than what they had. Do you know that you have more than what Abraham had? You have more than what Moses had. You have more than what David had, than what Jonah had, than what Esther had. We actually, the Bible says they looked and they heard rumors about this new breed of people that were going to come. They were, they were astonished. These people are going to be able to walk with God every day. They're going to have to have the spirit with them all the time. They're going to be able to pray in new languages. They're going to need to be doing, whoa, they were talking about us, guys. So, guys, we need to understand that this is within our wheelhouse to do. And I'll tell you how, I'm going to end with this. Let's be honest. We, I'll speak for me. I don't believe, I, I, have, I have more than one desire in my life. Like, yes, I do love God, but there are other desires in my life. And I think I can speak for many of us when I say that, like, just realistically. And I think that's where Jesus comes in. Because that's not my story, guys. Like, I have so many distractions in my life, have so many shortcomings in my life. And when I read this, I'm like, that sounds cool, but, like, that's just not, that's just not me. But Jesus came to where all we have to do is receive him, and he'll be that for us. He goes, okay, I know you guys can't do this. I know you guys don't think like this on a regular basis. I know this isn't how you naturally are. Therefore, I want you to receive me and let me live my life through you. So all we have to do is choose Jesus every day. And because the thing about it is, while I have 10, 15, 20 desires, Jesus only has one. So if I can just lean on him and ride on him, and, and, and be yoked up with him, then I can experience the life of someone who only wants to please God every day, only wants to praise God all the time. He wants to pray all the time. Jesus wants to praise him all the time. He wants to fast. He wants to obey. He wants to serve. He wants to give. He wants to give to the poor. He wants to do all the things that Alvin sometimes and oftentimes doesn't want to do. And it's awesome because he goes, just yoke up with me and let me drive this. So the Lord is saying, you don't have to pull from some place anymore out of your own self because it's not there. It's not in your flesh. It's not there. Stop looking. Just follow Jesus. Surrender your life to him day by day and his desires 
will, will, will become yours. His mindset will become yours. His focus will become yours. His confidence will become yours. His power will become yours. His ability to cast out devils will become your ability. His ability to speak in new tongues will become your ability. His ability to, to rise above all the ashes and overcome the greatest obstacles will become yours if you receive him and allow him to be the Lord of your life. He says, all of these things I've done, greater things you will do. This is a faith move. It's a supernatural move, but it's, 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 uh, it's a choice that we have been blessed to make if we decide to. So I'm just going to pray, and uh, I believe that God wants to change, change hearts today and uh, change us. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the standard that Psalms 27 uh, reminds us of, God, we thank you that we, though we're sinners, we can, we can become righteous uh, through you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for rising up from the dead. We thank you for giving us the ability to live above fear. We thank you for giving us the ability to be seated in heavenly places above all of the enemy's plans. Lord, I pray, God, that as we look to you, as we gaze on you, Jesus, as we invite you into our lives, as we submit our will to yours, as we submit our plans for yours, as we submit our priorities to yours, as we submit our focus and the things that we're looking at to what you focus on and what you're looking at, Lord, I believe that you will give us your mind I believe you will give us your eyes. I will believe you will give us your hands, your feet. And most importantly, you will give us your heart. Lord, you said that you've come to give us a new heart. You're going to take away the heart of stone, and you're going to give us a heart of flesh. You're going to give us the mind of Christ that's able to think like you, that's able to process information like you. You're going to give us the ability to discern like you, to navigate like you to overcome all of the devil's schemes against us like you to be one with the Father like you to be sons and daughters intimate with God the Father sitting at his table dwelling in his house like you you're giving us the authority to bind the devil, to loose your love, to bind and loose. You've given us that ability. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you said you've even given us the keys to the kingdom. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. You're going to you give us so much. Lord, so I thank you for reminding us that we don't have to search within our flesh anymore. We don't have to try to muster up motivation out of our own physical strength, but we can just turn to you, fix our eyes on you, receive your spirit by faith, and trust that your spirit will lead us every single day. God, we thank you. We thank you that fear no longer has to be a master in our lives. No longer do we have to follow and submit to the voice of fear. But we can walk in your spirit and have the confidence that you had, the same confidence that you have currently, we can have. So Jesus, we take this time to just ask you for your spirit to fill, pour out your spirit into our lives. Pour your Holy Spirit into our hearts. We receive your Holy Spirit. We receive all of your character, all of your boldness, all of your wisdom. And we know that you're walking with us every day. So if we find ourselves feeling distracted or, or hit or we miss the mark, Lord, you're right there. And you know how to get us right back on track. 
God, make us one with you. Teach us every day how to walk like you, how to think like you, how to talk like you. And if you do this, Father, like David says, we will teach transgressors your ways. We will pay it forward. And next time we see somebody walking in fear, we'll be able to share what got us out of that. And Lord, I pray through the testimonies in this room, more people will come out of this life of fear and step into the confidence and the faith and the grace that you have, Jesus. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand. I always like to have a time where people can, can, can acknowledge the Lord together. When we pray this prayer, there will be some of us praying it for the first time. There will be some of us praying it for the, uh, for the zillionth time. I'm not sure. But, but, but what's so powerful is when we come to, to the Lord as a, as a group, it really makes him smile. The Lord loves us individually, but he really loves us collectively. Because this shows unity. This shows the body of Christ. This is the church. He loves the church. We're his bride. So as we approach, as we approach God together, some of us are going to receive the Lord in a special way. And I can't wait. So let's pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So like, let's just let's seal this with a great praise to God. Let's make some noise to him. Let's, help, let's show him that we're thankful. Let's show him that we believe that he's here. He's here. God, you're here. We praise you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you. We love you. We trust you. We'll follow you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. You're full of mercy. You're so full of mercy. You're so full of grace. You're so full of kindness. And then you also have power and might. You're amazing, God. And we know that you're here. We honor you here. We honor your presence. We honor your presence, God. If you said yes to Jesus, uh, congratulations. Please let us know. We've got a prayer team that will be here when we dismiss. We're about to dismiss. You can also text BELONG to 77411. We had people receive Jesus last week. People, I was making calls. People were saying, I walked away from God for 10 years. I denounced all my faith, and now I'm back with the Lord. People are coming to Jesus, and they're letting us know, and it means a lot. It encourages us, too. So let us know um, by texting this or, or coming up and sharing it with whoever's praying, the prayer team. Uh, you guys can get in position. Um, and then also, if you have prayer for anything outside of that, whatever needs you have, let us pray for you. We would love to. It would be our honor. You can also let us know prayer requests online. Our prayer team prays for those too. We've got Stephen and Zara. Awesome. And then if you would like to give, thank you in advance. Please, you can give online or the finance team has some buckets in the back. They'll be happy to receive whatever you want to give. And uh, next steps, no, next steps is next week. Um, so you can take a break tonight today. Uh, and then I think that's it. That's it. Happy birthday, Dad. We love you.
Um, let me dismiss everybody and have a great rest of your morning. Father, we thank you again for your presence. Thank you for the word. Thank you for Psalm 27, God. Continue to let it minister to our hearts so that we can change the way we think and the way that we live. And through our change, others can be changed as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a good day, y'all.